Good morning to everyone. Welcome to Banbury Community Church. My name is Haifa, and I'm speaking to you for the first time today. Um, for those of you who know a little bit about me, I uh, was previously a media advisor and speech writer uh, in government. Uh, not this government, another country. Uh, so I'm used to putting words in other people's mouths. Uh, but not so much coming up and delivering the speech myself. I used to say I organise the date, I don't go on the date. Uh, but here I am on a date, stepping out in faith and saying, all right, God, I'll step out on the water and walk and see what happens. Happy Mother's Day to all the mums out there. I've had a really blessed and really crazy morning. I woke up with a horrific migraine. I was physically ill. I couldn't move, my eyes were blurry. And I said, not today, Satan. I said, I'm going to speak today. I'm going to be defiant of what you want. And I'm going to be obedient to the God. And I walked in and the prayer team looked at me and I had a heat pack around me. I'd taken some medication. I had a forehead stick. I don't have any pain anymore. My nausea is gone. My shaking's gone. So... I'm going to speak to you. I've written some notes. I'm going to look at them. And then a few other things that are probably going to come out of my mouth that I wasn't expecting. But uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Now, um, did anyone get a mug for Mother's Day? Because I saw a lot of them on the shelves. Best mum, happy Mother's Day. Did anyone get a mug? No one got a mug. <laughs> I'm really disappointed. Home bargains must have a lot on their shelves still. Um, I have a mug with me today. This mug is not for Mother's Day. It was given to me by a lovely friend of mine, Teresa. And she bought it for me because she said when she looked at it, it reminded her of me. And I think those words are so lovely because to have someone think of you and then buy something for you, I feel that's such a blessing and so touching because I don't imagine many people think of me except for my children um, and usually it's because they want something but she bought me this mug and it's not particularly special in any way. It's a cylinder mug. It's got a handle and an opening. It's got a base. It's made of fine bone china which is kind of fancy. Um, it has, and I, I didn't really notice this until I started staring at it for my message, but it has a princess. She's wearing a crown. She's dancing in the rain, which I've started doing recently, actually, with my children. Fully clothed, dancing in the rain, not with a raincoat. Um, my favourite thing about this mug is when I finish it, there's an umbrella at the bottom. And it says inside, I am a joy bringer. And I love the fact that this mug, it can't change unless I drop it. And then it's gone forever, but it can't change its shape. It can't do anything except be a good container. So no matter who uses my mug, and I think my mum's been using it because there's tea, tea stains at the bottom, but whoever uses my mug, it has value and purpose because it has a job to do. And that is to give a refreshing drink. And the same with humans. We can't take anyone's form. We can't take anyone else's personality, anyone else's beauty. We can't take their spirituality. You know, sometimes you look at someone and go, oh, they're so filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, they pray so well. How do they know all those scriptures? I look at that with my dad, actually. But that's because he reads the Word a lot. So he, he knows those scriptures because he puts it into practice. But we can't take those things from other people. A healthy spirit requires a deep belief that you are loved, which is something a lot of people struggle to accept, even Christians. So when... You look at a mug from now on. 
I want you to look at it and remember that you are a container designed to hold God inside of you. And when we invite him into our heart, like I know a lot of you have, and accept him as your Lord and Jesus, a Saviour, he goes with you wherever you go. And when you have that perspective in your life, all of a sudden you live differently. Because I know sometimes we know it, but we don't know it, know it. When you actually know it and you think, I am a mug and I'm holding God inside of me, you're kinder to people. You're more gracious. I'm less judgmental. I think, oh gosh, what's happened to them today that they're behaving like that? What's happened in their life that they speak like that? Why, why are they struggling? What can I do to help them? Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I get out of bed and I don't commit my day to God and I go through the motions and I tick off things on my list and I've lost all reverence and awareness of the beauty around me. But when I start my day right, when I commit it to God, when I open my eyes and I say, thank you for another day on this earth, Lord. Thank you that this is a day that you have put me in and that whoever I come across, I'm going to be a light to them. That's when my day goes really well and I can be a great vessel for him. Go on to the next slide. Oh, she's already beat me to the next slide. <laughs> so there is a gentleman called Henry Noun. And it's funny, I found this... Um, quote by Henry, um, long before I kind of looked at the notes in the book, and he gets quoted uh, later on, which you'll discover when you read your daily devotions from the book we're going through. But he says, every time you listen with great attentiveness to the voice that calls you the beloved, you will discover within yourself a desire to hear the voice longer and more deeply. It's funny, when I read that quote to my father, who is a Bible teacher. He said, he sounds Catholic. <laughs> I said, he is dad, he's a Catholic theologian. And he said, that's fine. <laughs> so what's telling in here? Desire. It's a telling sign. If your spiritual well-being is in a good place, it's the key to your spiritual well-being and your relationship with God. But he paved that relationship over 2,000 years ago on the cross. And he made a way for us to just come straight to him. He made it so easy for us. When our relationship with God and a healthy spiritual well-being, that's the core. It's the core importance to our well-being in every area. And I felt a lot of responsibility speaking on this topic because I truly believe that when our spiritual well-being is in a good place, all of our other well-beings can be a good place. Our finances, our relationships, our job, um, our physical well-being and our emotional well-being. Now, I need to tell you something and be really honest with you and some of you are going to not be happy with me and other people, you're going to amen and you're going to agree with me, so do it loudly. Satan is not bothered with the wishy-washy, lukewarm, sleepy, Sunday-only Christian. He loves a complacent Christian. He loves the ones that can't be bothered, that pray every now and again, who rock up on a Sunday late, who leave early, who don't wanna be in community. It doesn't bother him that people are like that. He's after the ones who are willing to take steps of faith. He's after the ones that are willing to step out even though they can't see what's in front of them because they know their Father has them. 
And sometimes those steps are really scary. We've done them ourselves as a, as a family and I've done it when I, I was single and I've done it with my parents. They're scary and they're hard and sometimes they hurt and they cost you in some way. But we're always blessed when we take those leaps of faith. When you remember that you're a vessel for the source of all life, desiring, disciplining, and delighting in Jesus, you know you're on the right path. If we're not connected with God in a good and healthy place, we are in trouble. It's the equivalent, and this is the best example I could think of, of when the phone lines go down. You know, 5G is not working anymore. Can't get any coverage on our phones. We need to constantly be connected in some way so that we're communicating with Him. So I've kind of titled this sermon Delight or Desire, Discipline and Delight. Where's Forrest Gump? Is he there? Yeah, there we go. So this is my husband. He's not really, he's up there. He's much more handsome and he's taller. Um, <laughs> three years ago, my husband had this desire to get physically fit. Now you all know what was happening three years ago. We lost a lot of money three years ago. He had just paid for his gym membership for the year. I would like to tell you, I am still a little grumpy about that because that money was never seen again and it wasn't used in a you know, helpful way, but he had this desire to get physically fit. It's great to have a desire, but you have to do something about it, right? Now you're all laughing, but you'll feel bad in a minute because <laughs> I have a desire to have an immaculate home. I would love to have one of those homes that you see on Instagram and these mums have all this white furniture and white rugs and things are clean and there's nothing on their counters. And I know that they're fake and they're lying and it's behind the scene that it's actually filthy dirty, but I would, oh, I would desire that. But in order for me to have that, I have to be disciplined to clean and to tidy up, to achieve that desire. I also have to be disciplined to teach my children and my husband, how to clean and get to that stage. And life's messy, so we're never gonna have an immaculate home. And that's okay, I've learned to live with it. But my husband, he decided to be disciplined with this desire and he started running. And at first it was just short distances, you know, around the block, around the neighborhood, but he quickly built up to easily doing 10 kilometers. And he started talking about, oh, the five kilometre endorphin here, it's amazing. It gives me this energy and I just, it, it makes me keep going. Any runners know the five kilometre, do you know that endorphin here at 5K? Anyone else run? Yeah, you know it. Um, and he does, he does really well. Is his style good? No, I used to be a runner and I go, babe, your style's not quite right. But he still does it. And to be fair to him, he's running, I'm not. So I shouldn't judge. Anyway, you have to be intentional. My husband was intentional. We'll go on to the next slide. <laughs> There's somebody called Salwyn Hughes, and you'll, you'll read about Salwyn in the book. He said, God has built into us a desire for relationship with Him, which if not satisfied, leaves us open, vulnerable to other sources of satisfaction. 
If God is not satisfying our souls, we will seek something else to satisfy us. And that's where our problems begin. Because when most of us seek to satisfy ourselves, it's through something addictive. Busyness. Who likes to be busy? I hate when people tell me that. It's like, how are you? Oh, I'm busy. Yeah, right. My dad said, if you want something done, give it to a busy person, because they'll do it. People who tell you they're busy, they're not that busy. (laughs) But busyness, work, people addicted to their job, not logging off and having a day of Sabbath, a day of rest, a day with family. What about food? Addiction to food, technology, social media. They want you to be addicted to social media. They want to shorten your attention span with seven-second reels so that actually you can't focus as well when what we're called to do is spend time in the Word, to pray, to spend time in quiet, listen to the voice of God. That takes more than seven seconds. Other addictions could be alcohol, drugs, sex. Ruth Barton takes it one stage further in her book. She talks about an invitation to silence and solitude. It's not something most parents are familiar with, but there's even even greater truth before you're even aware of your desire for God. He desired you. He created you with a desire for Him that groans and yearns in the very fibre of your being, This progression is the same with most things in our life, including our relationship with God. It is a journey of desire into discipline, into delight. So let's have a look at desire. For relationship with God is best described in the Bible by many with words like hunger, longing, or the best one of all, thirst. Desire alone won't lead to spiritual satisfaction and well-being, And that's what takes us into discipline. Nothing worthwhile is achieved without discipline and work. Ask an elite athlete, they sacrifice so much. I'm pretty sure most of them will talk about eating a pizza and drinking a beer after they win Olympic gold the next day, but after that, They're back on their routine. They're back on their diet. They're back on their training because they still desire to keep winning and to keep achieving. When we need to be disciplined, as well as spontaneous in our relationship with God, discipline helps us to grow in other areas of our lives. So the spiritual discipline helps us to grow, but it also helps us to achieve success elsewhere because we take that practice and we use it in our workplace. We use it in our finances. We use it in our social lives. We use it to encourage and be a light to others, even if they don't know Jesus, they see the example that you're setting. And then finally, delight. There's a great scripture in Psalm 37:4. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Our seeking will lead to finding 
as God increasingly reveals himself to us, satisfying our deep spiritual thirst in a way that only he can. Now I'm gonna talk about something in a minute and what I'm gonna share with you now is just a little extra side bit, but I'm gonna give you some reminders from the word of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But when I give them to you, there's gonna be two words at the beginning. And I wanna explain these two words to you to give you some context next time you read the word of God or maybe next time you talk to him. God declares his name to be I am. Did you know that? Getting some nods, that's good. I am, I am, that is his name. It's not Michael or Susanna or Haifa, it's I am. In Hebrew, there are no vowels listed with the consonants. So no one exactly knows how to pronounce the name of God. It's often pronounced as Yahweh or Jehovah. And these are English styled versions of his name and likely determined by Christians, not Jews. When Moses was going up to the mountain to see the burning bush, he encountered God. And I'm gonna read to you what happened. Then Moses said to God, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel and I shall say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And that's in Exodus 3, 13 to 14. Now, for those of you who'd like to look more into this, you'd be interested to know that Jesus said in John eight fifty eight, before Abraham, I was, uh, was, I am. Do you know what happened there after he said that? He made a lot of people angry. The Jews wanted to kill him because they knew by saying I am, they were cl- he was claiming to be God. You can check that out in John 8, 58, and there's some more in John 10. The name of God reflects his character. It reflects his existence, his majesty. It reflects his identity. So much is ingrained in those two little words, three letters, I am. As a Christian, it's important to see ourselves as God sees us. So let's take some time to look at how he sees us and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I'm not gonna go through all of these, there's a lot. I know you all have phones, you can take a screenshot if you like. I am eternally loved by God. I'm personally chosen by God. I am saved by God's amazing grace. Now I wanna encourage you, take a picture of this. When you get up in the morning, when you go to bed tonight, start speaking these words over yourself. Start claiming them. Start expecting that this to be ingrained in your spirit and in your soul. I am. I am the righteousness of God. I am His masterpiece. I know some people already know that, but others need to know it too. I am God's heir and co-heir. I tell my children all the time, you are an heir of God. You are a prince. You are a princess. You are going to inherit a kingdom and not the one in Banbury, Oxfordshire. Our daughter is five years old and she knows that she's called to be a queen. 
We named her after one as a result of that to remind her every day. So let's look at some pathways to develop your relationship with God. First and foremost, read your Bible. Read and reflect on Scripture. Expect God to speak to you. Everything you do, whether you pray, you worship or you read, the Word of God, be expectant. If you don't have a Bible, come and see some of the leadership. We'll sort you out with one. But if you have one, pick it up every day. There are 1,189 verses in the Bible. It's plenty to keep you busy. There are many ways you can read it. Two of the best ways, get a devotion and work through it. Do it with your children as well. All of my children have a devotion book. We sit down in the morning before breakfast and they work through their devotion. It is a healthy habit at the moment. They don't quite see what's happening, but if you put something into practice for three weeks, it will become a healthy habit in your life. So every morning they get up, even my five-year-old who is learning to read and write, she doesn't quite read it, but she's drawing the pictures out of her devotion and she's getting that into her soul. You know, as parents, I really want to encourage you that you need to be the window into relationship with God for your children. Let them see you praying. Let them see you reading the Word of God. Let them see your devotion book that you've been scribbling in and writing all over. Show them the way because they will never part from it when they've seen you given a good example. <clears throat> the second way, read the Bible with somebody else. I know sometimes it can be hard or you've got a version that maybe isn't quite sitting well with you and you're just struggling a little bit. Read it with someone else. Read it with your spouse, with a friend, your life group. There's a gentleman named Chuck Missler, or there was, he's passed away now, but a small group Bible study is the fastest way to spirituality. That's what he taught me. Next, journal. Write down your reflections. From all your daily experiences, from your time in the Bible, record what you sense the Lord is saying to you. Now, when I first moved to this country and at the end of 2008, I arrived during the global financial crisis. I arrived during what my boss at the time described as an early life crisis. I was 25 and I said to him, oh, I haven't really achieved much in my life. I think I'm going to quit and move overseas. He was a man of ego. He was a politician. He said, what are you talking about? You're 25 and you work for me. <laughs> I said, yeah, but there's more to life. There's more going on. I'm, I'm going to leave. He said, all right, I'll keep your job for you. One year. You have one year. Come back after one year. Don't fall in love. I did keep to my word, I'll tell you. I went back after a year. I was dating. I'm now married to that person. I was dating someone. He knew I was going back and that, you know, we worked through it. But I kept my promise. I returned after one year. I left 10 months later. Um, but that's another story. Um, but during that time in 2008, when people were being fired in rooms full of 50 people at a time, and I arrived going, hey, God, <laughs> let's hang out in London where my family don't really know anyone and I don't have oh, even someone to hold my hand and hug me through this. Let's do it. I journaled every single day. I journaled every prayer that came out of my mouth. I prayed, Lord, would you bless me indeed? Increase my territory. Keep me from those who would do me harm. I'm going to talk about that prayer in a minute. I still have that journal. 
I can look back on it from those prayers and see every single thing that I've said, God answered. Now, when He answers, He gives it to you, but He also denies you. And when you look back on those prayers, you'll see why. You may not see it straight away, but in you know, a year, 10 years, you'll see why, because He has a path that He wants you to go down. Next, learn to pray. <laughs> Jesus taught us how to pray. He gave us the Lord's Prayer. Look it up, speak it out, speak it verbally out, give it authority. Pray other prayers that are in the Bible. Pray the prayer of Jabez. 1 Chronicles 4.10. Lord, that you would bless me indeed, increase my territory and keep me from those who wish to do me harm. I talked about this earlier. When you're on the right path, when you're stepping out in faith as God intends for you to do, it's gonna, Satan's gonna come after you. Don't let him. Pray that protection over you every day. Put on your armour of God. I encouraged somebody about this a few weeks ago. I said, before your feet touch the floor every morning, put on your armour of God. Put on your helmet, your breastplate, get your sword, put on your sandals. Speak it out because you need those every day we go into battle. Other prayers you could enjoy from the New Testament are from the Apostle Paul. And then there's prayers of awareness, set prayers like the um, daily prayers of the Church of England or something called the examen. Is anyone familiar with that? Some people? Um, it's a Catholic practice um, through the Jesuits and a friend of mine introduced me to it and at first I was like, what's this? But actually it is an incredible practice that teaches you to sit in silence and solitude and to be aware just of your breathing, your heartbeat, blocking every distraction out, which is what Satan wants to do, distract you from your prayers, and to really listen to that still, small voice of God. Because he's a gentleman, he won't yell at you. He's not gonna say, Haifa, listen to me. He says, Haifa, you ready to listen? The best place to learn to pray is in a revived prayer meeting. Surround yourself that, with people who are anointed and who know how to pray and stay in that environment until you catch the fire. My dad says, even a wet log will catch fire once it dries out. Are you feeling like a wet log at the moment? Struggling, thinking, oh, I can't pray like those people. That's why I don't go into that prayer meeting. That's okay. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. Go and learn. Listen. My dad said that's how he learned to pray. He went into a prayer meeting for a ministry that he was involved in in the Middle East. And they were on fire for God. They were praying. They were shunderbubbing, as we call it. And he stood there for weeks, not saying a thing. And then one day his mouth opened and the fire came out of him and it never stopped. So be encouraged, pray with others. Next, worship. Turn off BBC Radio 4 or whatever your radio station of choice is. Play worship in your car, in your home, in your workplace. I say this a lot, I think I've said it to you before, words have power. When you're listening to the words of the world that they're singing, what do they mean? Why are you speaking them over your life? Why are you opening the door to some of those things? Why are you letting them sing that over you? 
Let the worship wash over you. Let that be a presence in your home. When I have worship on, when other parents can probably relate to this, when I have worship on when my kids come home from school, it's a lot more calm than when I don't have any music on. And they're absolute psychos. They come home, they're noisy, they're messy. Even if the house was tidy, stuff is everywhere. But if we have the worship on, there's a presence, the presence of God. Next, live a spiritual life. Spend time in solitude and silence. And I know this is a hard one for people because we can't sit still. We have stuff to do. Mums, we need to wash laundry and sweep floors and finish whatever work we need to do for our jobs. But learning to be still, pausing, learn to meditate on Scripture, bask in God's loving presence, choose time with Jesus over technology. I know a lot of people come home tired. You know, you've worked a full day, you've picked the kids up from childcare, you've got the meals done, you've got them to bed and you're knackered. Don't sit down and watch something on the TV. You don't even need to read the Bible at this point. You could just sit there with some quiet music. Listen to God. Let Him restore your soul. Let Him bring you peace before you lay your head down. When you sleep, let Him minister to you as you sleep, give you visions and dreams and inspiration. Jesus and rest over Hollywood and lies. In his book, Spiritual Direction, it's a long title, I don't know why they do this, but Wisdom for the Long Walk of Faith. This is by Henry Noun as well. Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We don't take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside time to be with God and listen to Him. Number seven. Be in regular fellowship. This one's important because it's a biblical command for our benefit. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another in all the more as we see the day approaching. Banbury Community Church is not just here for when people feel like it. It's here for fellowship. It's here for family. It's here to encourage, to disciple, to set you free. Maybe even sometimes to convict. Sometimes we're doing something we shouldn't and we have someone who loves us enough to say, hey, It's not right, is it? Let me pray with you. Now keep in mind the last part of that scripture. All the more as you see the day approaching. That's in reference to Jesus' return. We are in the last days. And so we should be in regular fellowship to support, to encourage, to challenge, to convict in a non-judgmental, condemning way and to love one another. Don't limit it to Sunday only. There are many other opportunities to fellowship with your church family. Life group, once a month prayer meeting at the Body Kick or Banbury Cricket Club. Maybe you wanna start inviting people around after church. 
doesn't have to be a big deal. You don't have to cook them a roast dinner. You could heat up a few cans of tomato soup and make some cheese toasties. Just get to know people. And I know some people may not be your cup of tea, but when you're remembering that you are a vessel for the source of all life, he'll show you how to love them. I'll be honest with you. We have a joke in our marriage that I don't like people. I don't like them. They're mean and they're hurtful. I'm a third culture kid. I started my life on the mission field with my parents. They moved on into a church. And then my dad ran a Bible college. I met a lot of hurtful people that hurt my parents. I saw that happen. But they trusted God. They handed it to God. They remained faithful and they continued to love those people because hurt people hurt people. But when you keep your heart right, God will help bless those people, will help with their own hurt, will help deliver them of that. So in the last three years, I've really learned to love people. I think they're pretty great. There's some really interesting, amazing people on this earth and you are missing out if you don't make time for that. Finally, I put this one last. Pray in the Holy Spirit. I think it was number three originally, but it deserves to be at the bottom because it deserves some attention and not to be lost amongst the other things. This is underutilised in most people's walks and they're limiting themselves. Paul says, we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit's prayers through us and for us. If you don't know how to pray, you can pray in the Spirit. I'm gonna tell you a story that most people don't know and it's gonna get recorded and go on the internet, so that'll be interesting. I was sent to Germany when I was 17. My dad is a teacher and for year 12, he said, I want you to continue with your German studies. I was like, Dad, no one speaks German in Australia. Who am I gonna talk to? It's pointless. He's like, well, it's good to have a language. I said, fine. Buy me a dictionary and send me to Germany. How many of you would have done that? My dad called my bluff. He bought me a dictionary, he sent me to Germany. And um, he sent me, and I ended up living with a Christian family who were planting a church in a place called Hanau, which is just outside of Frankfurt, Maine. They were a lovely family. Um, My host mother, Brigitte, was fighting breast cancer and she was a mighty woman of God. Anyway, a few weeks into my new life in Germany, I woke up one night, I was 17 years old, There was a man in my bedroom. He was stood at the end of my bed and with fear, I couldn't move. He leapt on me and started strangling me. I couldn't move my arms or my body. I couldn't open my mouth to scream. I couldn't breathe. I wasn't filled with the spirit at 17 years old, even though I have a father who is and preaches on it. All I knew to do was to say the name of Jesus. 
There's power in that name. I know that for a fact because while something was trying to take my life, I was speaking the name of Jesus in my head because I couldn't open my mouth and I can still see and feel that experience today. I said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It got easier. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then all of a sudden my mouth opened, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I kept saying it. And this man, as I thought, jumped off me and went out of my bedroom door, opened the door and walked out of it. I didn't quite know what I experienced at that time. I went down the next morning, I told my host parents and Brigitte said, we're gonna deal with this. So we prayed and a few mornings later, my host sister came down and said, I saw your demon last night. He was in my room. I said, what did you do? She said, I didn't know what else to do. I picked up my Bible and I threw it at it. I said, what did it do? She said, it opened the window and it jumped out. Do not underestimate what Satan will try and do to destroy you. He's tried to take my life physically twice. Once as an eight-month-old. Once as an older adults, and then once in the spiritual realm, when I didn't have that arsenal. I do now. I speak in the spirit all the time. James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I'd like to invite the band up to just play quietly in the background. We have all the tools to help us achieve our desire, to help us discipline ourselves and help us delight in our relationship with God. I really feel if it's okay to open the floor. If you've accepted Jesus into your life and what He offers you, that wonderful privilege of being a child of God, I wanna invite you to come up for whatever reason you feel prompted now. Perhaps you need to be filled and refilled with His presence. Perhaps you need a fresh encounter. Perhaps you've opened doors to things you shouldn't have and you've given Satan a foothold for something. That's okay. Jesus can deal with it. He can take it from you. There might be some of you here today that have never experienced Jesus coming into your life And why don't you invite him today? Don't do life alone. Don't carry the burdens of life without him. Be a vessel. It's the best way to live. It's the only strength I have. So if that's something that interests you, please feel to come down and one of us will pray for you. Welcome you into the kingdom. Do you want to stand up with me as we? I'm just going to pray a little prayer. Perhaps you don't want to come right to the front to receive Jesus and that's okay. He knows what you're saying. He knows the desires of your heart even more than you do. 
So I'll pray for that and for anyone else. And if you do want some ministry, feel free to come up because one of the reasons we came to this church, not only for community, was because we loved the fact that we have pastors that encourage prayer. They put prayer at the front of the church. They encourage you to take that mustard seed of faith by stepping forward and coming here and saying, all right, God, I'm here. Here's my mustard seed, believing that you're gonna answer my prayer, my need, my desire, my longing. And that really stood out to us. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to be reminded of the importance of our desire, our discipline and our delight. I thank you for our church family, for those of us who are all in different places with a longing for you. Lord, for those who don't know you today, who want to know you, I just pray blessing over them. I'm gonna say a couple words now. If you wanna say them with me, please do. Lord Jesus, I admit I need you. I invite you to come and forgive me. I believe that you died, you rose again, so that I would receive a new joy, purpose, hope, and well-being. Please come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I commit to follow you in your ways all the days of my life. Amen.